Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and this week I am joined by Dustin Ragusa, who's back. Dustin, welcome back, sir. How are you doing? I'm back, as our intro music says, <laughs> music. but... I'm I'm doing good, Cade. Sorry for missing last week. Thank you for holding it down while I was traveling for work. It was a great podcast. I listened to it actually when I was traveling back home. Loved the mailbag. I'm sure the listeners loved that. We got a ton of awesome questions. Thank you guys we so did. much, and thank you again, Cade, for doing that. Yeah, we did. Uh, I will I will be the first to say probably not as thorough on the current events as you. Uh, you do a phenomenal job with that, but uh. I also just took it as an opportunity to one get what was a record breaking amount of mailbag questions. I don't think we've, it was a crazy amount uh, accrued over two days. So it was a lot of fun to just hear what people were wanting to talk about and what, what they were wanting to hear from me about. So uh, I will say though, don't ever do that to me again. I don't like talking by myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was kind of a random trip that came up. I was out. Uh, I was in Mexico City for work. So it would have been a little bit difficult for me to record just with what we had going on there for work. But my apologies. And I mean, because we got so many questions, that would probably be a good podcast to do after the season, maybe like right before the bowl game. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. That probably, That'd be so a lot of maybe fun. Maybe we can get another one of those. And oh, we do promise a lot of things and then not come through, but <laughs> we'll try to keep up with that one. But I loved it. I'm sure the listeners loved it. It was a great listen for me on my flight back. So it was a lot of fun. And Cade, we literally are recording as the Oklahoma State football team is reporting back for fall camp after a few days off. It's football season. Yeah, I mean... We've we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, how quickly it's going to creep up on us. But the calendar says August. And I declared in the office today that it is football season. I mean, once the players <laughs> are on campus, that's it. Like I'm wearing orange on Fridays. I usually wear orange on Fridays anyway. But like th this is it is started now. And uh, yeah. I know you're fired up and I, I certainly am, too. And I'm just ready for the, you know, the fall videos to come out. And, you know, the the very few media sessions that are going to happen this year. I'm just excited for all of it. Yeah. It's, and there's a ton of stuff going on this week. We're honestly probably recording on the wrong day because I think there's a basketball media session. There's going to be a football media session with Mike Gundy and a few players. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow after practice. We're recording today on Tuesday, August 1st. But we'll catch back up with all of that next week, and we'll preview some fall camp here in a little bit. Kid, the first thing I wanted to talk about, though, last week, pretty much every NFL training camp started. Obviously, got games going on soon. You've got hard knocks with the New York Jets starting, I think it's next Tuesday. I thought I would just run through a couple NFL notes and really one note on a player and then just kind of run through all the guy, Oklahoma State guys that are on rosters. I know it's going to be me talking for a second, listing all of them off, but I found it interesting to look that up because 
I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Like if you would have asked me the number, I would have probably got it wrong. I would have had to kind of count on my fingers, think back who's still in the league, who's in the XFL, who's with Calvin Bundage in the IFL. But Kate, if you don't mind, I, th- I say we talk a little NFL oh, before the, we get into the fall camp. F- the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs> so the first thing is there are 24 former Oklahoma State players signed at NFL training camps. One of those is Josh Sills, and we know he's having some off-the-field troubles. I don't know. I, I think he can practice as of now. Nothing has kind of come from that. So 24 could be 23. I don't really want to go into all of the SIL stuff. We've talked about it a little bit on yep. the podcast in the past, but that's that's the number right now. The one player note I wanted to hit, we've talked about him a lot. He's actually probably the guy we talk about the most this offseason, Tanner Brown, former Oklahoma State kicker. He's with the Rams. So the Rams had Matt Gay last season. He left in free agency. They had Christopher Dunn from NC State and Tanner Brown battling it out in rookie camp. Christopher Dunn is no longer there. And the special teams coordinator for the Rams, Chase Blackburn, had this quote that I saw Robert Allen post on Pokes Report. He didn't miss a lot of kicks. I can tell you that. He's been hitting the ball clean and has a really strong leg. Kate, I think Tanner Brown's going to be the starting kicker for the Rams. Yeah, I I think you're probably right. We talked about this, too, as, as not a distinct possibility, but one to keep an eye on. And Obviously, knowing Tanner Brown's ability, seeing that roster move take place a couple weeks ago, I think uh, additionally with that comment, I think you're exactly right. I think you nailed it. So I I don't think – I think both of you had him as our sleeper, but we were big on Matt Himbro kind of making a name for himself outside of the Tyler Lacey's and Jason Taylor, the twos out of this this last class. But, man, Tanner Brown, he might surpass them all. If he's the starting kicker, he'll definitely lead in points scored. Oh, yeah, no question. He'll be on somebody's fantasy team. <laughs> so that'll be awesome. Okay, Cade, let's run through. I'm going to try to do this quick, but not too quick. It's going to be a lot of me talking. Apologies in advance. Let's go to the AFC first. And shout out to Pokes Report. I think it was Zach Lancaster that put this table up, making it a little bit easier for me to run through. So thank <laughs> them for that. For the Baltimore Ravens, we've got running back Justice Hill and wide receiver Tylen Wallace. For the Buffalo Bills, we have wide receiver Marcel Aitman, who, if you remember, was signed from the XFL, but the Bills had to release former Cowboy Braden Johnson. That's still one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Guy from the same college being replaced by a guy from the same college in a waiver transaction. Yeah, it's it's the thing I said then is the thing I say now. It's like, did they give each other the guns walking in and out of the door? I mean, because... It's crazy. That doesn't never <laughs> it happen. really is. Best of luck to Braden Johnson in the XFL, by the way. Hopefully he can make his way back to the NFL after that short stint. So for the Cleveland Browns, we have cornerback A.J. Green. The Jacksonville Jaguars have recently drafted defensive end Tyler Lacey. The Las Vegas Raiders have Chris Lacey and Cade. I know I sent you a photo. I was in Las Vegas for a work conference. We got to go to the Raiders stadium, and I got to sit in Chris Lacey's locker which yes, most people were sitting in, you know, the more high profile Raiders players lockers. And I was over there and Chris Lacey's taking picks. Sure. I looked really strange, but shout out to Chris Lacey. That's our guy. Los Angeles chargers have Amon Ogbong Bamiga 
former Oklahoma State linebacker. The Dolphins have defensive end Emmanuel Ogba. The Pittsburgh Steelers have Mason Rudolph at quarterback and Jalen Warren at running back. And then moving to the NFC, we just talked about him, Arizona Cardinals, long snapper Matt Hembro. Atlanta Falcons have former Cincinnati Bengal cornerback Trey Flowers. Your Dallas Cowboys have linebacker Devin Harper and wide receiver Tyron Johnson. The Carolina Panthers have Oklahoma State former running back Chuba Hubbard. The Chicago Bears with offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins, who looks to be making a move from offensive tackle inside to guard. The Detroit Lions have linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez, who Cade, for not to stop again, but it sounds like he's running with the twos right now in camp, which is shocking to me after starting, what, 13 games last season for the Lions? Yeah, for sure. I ha- I do know that they are pretty loaded at linebacker. He's in a bit of a log jam there. Yeah, they drafted a guy from Iowa, I believe, and then I think, I think right. Alex Anzalone is there now, yep. former New Orleans Saint. And somebody else, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of guys. I think Malcolm makes his way back up to the top of the depth chart, but we'll see. Los Angeles Rams have Tanner Brown, who we just talked about, and Jason Taylor the second. My New Orleans Saints have wide receiver James Washington. The New York Giants have former corner Oklahoma State cornerback Rodarius Williams. The Philadelphia Eagles, Josh Sills, who we mentioned. We'll see how long that lasts. The San Francisco 49ers have wide receiver Tay Martin and the Washington Commanders have former Oklahoma State cornerback and a favorite of Caden Eyes, Christian Holmes. Yeah, I mean, Dustin, fantastic job. There's a lot of guys in the NFL yeah, that that's I think more you than forget I about. Yeah, that's I, what I, I mean, was saying. Rodarius Williams, an easy one to forget about, but he, I mean, he's been in the league for what, four or five years now? This has got to be going on his fifth year, close to. Yeah. He got some run last yeah, season, I believe, too, with the Giants. So it's going to be interesting to see not a ton of guys who are getting you know, a lot of snaps, but there's guys like Jalen Warren, you know, I I mean, we just talked about Malcolm Rodriguez. You've got uh, Emmanuel Agba. These are all guys that do play in the NFL. They're not just on roster. So best of luck to all of them. We'll keep it locked here. Any big news, we'll try to update throughout the football season because that's technically still football. So if we get some big NFL news, we'll throw it out there. I mean, Dustin, if I had to ask you, and I think we've already talked about him, which former Cowboy has the biggest season in the NFL this year? I'll tell you, I'll give you one that's not Tanner Brown. I think Jalen Warren's going to have a pretty good year. I think he's solidly number two in Pittsburgh. I think that he's going to get some run again. I completely agree with you there. One sleeper pick that I have just because he's with the Saints, is I would love to see a big year from James Washington coming back off injury. The Saints have some reps to go around at wide receiver outside of guys like Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Could James Washington be that third guy? Man, if he can stay healthy, I think he's proven that he can. Um, it'll just be fun to watch. I mean, there's a guy like Emmanuel, Emmanuel Ogba. I, it, it's Eamon Ogba Bamiga and Emmanuel Ogba like in the same <laughs> conversation too close together Ogba I think I said them right after each other too you did I think and and I thought about it and got immediately twisted up but I think Ogba could have a a sleeper type of year too so be fun I'm just man it's August and we're talking football I'm I'm ready yeah it's it's gonna be awesome quick as we move to Oklahoma State football before we get fall camp quick BPS Boone Pickens Stadium update 
The north side is near completion of the first phase of the two-year $55 million stadium upgrade. I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures of the new seats. They're black, which I know which... got some, <laughs> some noise because that is a color that will get hot in the sun. But apparently it is a kind of mesh material that is cooler than normal seats. Apparently so we'll kind of see how that is sunproof because uh, I, I'm not going to lie. And I also thought about like mesh doesn't seem like the most um, stadium uh, like durable material I would have put. But who knows? Maybe maybe the people there have soft pockets. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, we'll kind of see. I, I, I don't wear a ton of mesh anymore. So we'll we'll just kind of we'll kind of see how that goes. But the 200 and 300 levels are getting increased leg room. They're going to do the south side next off season. I think it that'll be awesome. I think it's good when it's all finished and everything. I think it's going to be great for Boone Pickens Stadium, which is already a great stadium. Very nice facilities, good concession stands. You and I both frequent attenders of that stadium, and I know we both enjoy and, it. So and the concession stand. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll keep it locked as the as the next kind of iteration of that project happens next season. But I think that's kind of that's kind of it as we move forward. That they've got it finished and ready. I think wrapping everything up, ready to go for the season. Also, Cade Colin Oliver was named to the Bronco Nagurski preseason watch list. Ninety five players were added to this watch list. Uh, I think it was today and the awards handed out annually to college football's most outstanding defensive player. I would have thought Kendall Daniels would have been on there as well, yeah. but it's awesome to see Colin Oliver on there. This trophy has been around since 1993. They're going to name five finalists in November and there were 11 total big 12 players on that list. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think he's probably Oklahoma State's best shot at that. Just and and I also think that they'll they'll update this. Kendall Daniels is going to have a great start to the year. I would expect that he's one of those you know early to mid season additions. Um, yeah. I, I feel like he's going to end up being the best player on the defense. Uh, Justin Kirkland, if we're lucky and blessed. Uh, so here's <laughs> uh, prayers up to that. But uh, yeah, I think it's great. All right, Cade, moving on to fall camp. So the players finished up their summer conditioning program last Thursday. They had the weekend off and they reported back today, checking in to the equipment room around one o'clock, team meeting, dinner, and then another meeting session later tonight. The Oklahoma State staff met, Cade, according to Robert Allen, on Monday afternoon and decided to change the practice times for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday due to the heat. I think they were going to start around 9 a.m. They're now moving those to 7 a.m. <laughs> and those first two practices will be in helmets, jerseys, and shorts. Then they'll move to shoulder pads. And then starting on Saturday, practices will move back to that 9 a.m. start time. I think that was a good idea by the coaches oh, because – if you live in Oklahoma right now, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, it is hot. It is unbelievably hot. I mean, and I I, I fully support that. I played golf in Fort Worth with a nine o'clock tee time. And by 16, 17 and 18, <laughs> I was like, does anybody have a Gatorade around here? Because it was <laughs> unreal. It's very hot. A good move by them. So I think there's a total of 128 players on the roster. They're going to probably narrow that down to 110 players. Obviously, you'll have some guys who are 
practice players who aren't on the official roster. They've got the 85 scholarship limit, which, kid, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the first season that's back in play, right, after COVID? Because there was a little leeway there. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, it's a matter. I do think you're right about that. Yeah, so have that back in play. And after practice, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, there's going to be Mike Gundy, Jaden Nixon, Jake Springfield, Kendall Daniels, and Cody Walterscheid talking with the media. And then on Saturday, August 5th, OSU Max is going to give fans a free, in, so for non-subscribers as well, look into Oklahoma State's annual Cowboy Football Media Day. They're going to be streaming live from Media Day starting wow. at 1.45 p.m., I think there's going to be a Mike Gundy news conference and then Dion Amade and Megan Robinson are going to be talking to some Cowboy players. I think it's going to go on for a couple hours. So tune into that. That'll be really cool. I know I'll probably watch it on replay, kind of a weird time on a Saturday, but if I can catch it live, I'm sure they'll have the replay up there as well, but that'll be really cool. Not a ton of news, obviously, Cade, because they haven't started practice yet, but Extreme Camp is this weekend. We've got some friends at Extreme Camp who we'll be talking to, so hopefully we'll have some notes for you guys from those practices and those team meetings. It'll be a lot of fun. I think next week's podcast will be pretty football heavy, and we should have some more info. Yeah, I'm 100% about that. Uh, Dustin, I was trying to pull it up. There was a, a quote in an article from Hoax Report earlier today from an anonymous Cowboy wide receiver talking about Alan Bowman. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. Yes, I did see that. Raving about Alan Bowman. I was attempting as you were talking to pull it up and uh, just speaking to the ability of Alan Bowman in the pocket and his ability to make a play down the field. Uh, I don't know if we have it, but... Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got yeah, it up. Go I just ahead, pulled Dustin. it up. Thank you for reminding me about that. So it says, this is the quote from an anonymous cowboy wideout. Alan Bowman is our QB. He's the smartest QB I've played with. He's a great leader who will pull, pull us to the side and give us breakdowns and pointers for our routes. He's not going to roll 20 yards outside of the pocket and make a play downfield, but his pocket presence is elite. Uh, and I love that word. E. You know how we love that word, especially yes. when we're talking about a quarterback. Yeah, or you and your oh. podcasting abilities. <laughs> <laughs> and you too, my good sir. Uh, I mean, See, this is what, what happens is... when Cade and I aren't together for one week. We just give each other flowers all episode. And this is why they're longer when the both of us are on them. It's because we do <laughs> stuff like this. I mean, we we detract for no less than 10 minutes a podcast. So just what you get with us. Sorry about yeah, that. But it, that's a great quote. And Cade, great job bringing it up because all we have heard is great stuff about Alan Bowman. And you can say it's coach speak or players talking up their teammates, but with all of these quotes, with the camp in San Diego that he took the players to, they use their NIL money for, me attending a practice, some of our friends attending another practice, everything we've seen from Alan Bowman is extremely positive, and it makes me, you know, way too hyped for this season, and it's going to do affect my season win-loss prediction. Yeah, Greatly. I mean, it's, when it's player to player, that's that's a different type of feedback, especially when it reaches the public. Like you don't normally, I, I guess, get that level of, you know, quote this early on. And maybe it's because we're so, you know, paying such hyper attention to it this offseason like I am. 
it's just it stuck out to me. I hadn't seen something like that from a receiver to a quarterback in quite some time. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, Cade, moving on to recruiting. Couple quick recruiting notes for football. So the dead period ended the the dead period that went from June 27th to July 24th obviously ended last week but Cade we're back in there's another <laughs> dead period until the first game so you that'll have- end 48 hours before a home game in August or that September 1 to 2 time through the 48 hours of the, after the conclusion of the game and then they'll go into a quiet period which is different than the dead period the dead period is no in person contact so you won't see any official visits or anything like that until the season starts up. You can still be in contact with recruits, but no in-person contact. So Oklahoma state was able to get some mini camps in this Sunday and some official visitors. So we'll talk about that, but Kate, it's, I don't remember there only being like a week in between the dead periods last year, but I might've just be misremembering that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm being totally honest. I, I don't feel like that was the case, but I, I have nothing to go off of. I wonder if the, I should have looked that up. I wonder if the transfer portal has affected that sum or something like that. Probably. I mean, if not, it should. Right. So I'm betting it has. Yeah. So those mini camps on Sunday, there was one in the morning, one in the afternoon. I'm sure it was extremely hot. As you just mentioned, playing golf. I, I can't imagine going to a, football camp where I'd have to be running around with a helmet on. There were over 300 players though. And some of those were obviously recruiting prospects. The camp was for any high school age athlete, anybody kind of wanting to get exposure with Oklahoma state, whether that be scholarship preferred walk on. And like I mentioned, there was several official visitors there. I'll run through those right now. Some of them were 2024, some were 2025. You had Riker half, 2025 offensive tackle, 6'6", 310 pounds from Owasso High School in Owasso, Oklahoma. He's a three-star, according to 247, the number 38-ranked interior offensive lineman, even though they list him as an offensive tackle, and the number nine-rated player in Oklahoma. He was there with his dad. They got the full tour from offensive line recruiting analyst Zach Allen. The half family actually has a connection with Zach Allen because Riker's older brother, Connor, Played for Zach Allen when he was coach at NEO. It's kind of cool. And then Texas Tech and Tulsa are his other reported offers. Along with Riker, a teammate of his who's a 2024 offensive lineman, Blake Cherry, offensive tackle, 6'6, 280 pounds, also from Owasso, not rated on 247. He was there as well on an unofficial visit. He said he's already been on five campuses now with Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Kansas State, and Florida, along with Oklahoma State. And he has offered reported offers from Kansas, Texas Tech, and Tulsa. Another offensive lineman was there as well, Javon Anti, 2025 offensive tackle, 6'4", 300 pounds, from Nathan Hale High School in Tulsa, not rated by 247. He's got offers from Cal and Tulsa. And then a notable 2024 player, Lynn College, Juco, which is a – pretty popular junior college in Houston, Texas, Brian Taylor Jr. He's a defensive lineman, 6'5", 260. He was there on Thursday as a freshman at Blinn College. He had 20 total tackles, eight unassisted, one and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. Utah is interested. I haven't seen many other reported offers, but 
I do like the 6'5", 260 Juco offensive lineman, somebody that Oklahoma State can maybe add to the class and add to Brian Nardo's defense. Those were all the unofficial visitors, Cade, that I kind of wanted to mention. I thought it was nice to talk about some offensive linemen since yeah. the 2024 class hasn't been going very not going very well. They just don't have many guys as of now. So one 2024 guy and two 2025 were in on unofficial visits this past weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And especially the offensive line slant to that. I completely agree with you. Got to have them. The last recruiting note for football wanted to hit Cade before we moved to basketball. Jaden Nickens, 2024 wide receiver, 6'3", 190 pounds out of Millwood High School in Oklahoma City. He's a four-star, number 12 wide receiver in the country, number four rated player in Oklahoma. He put Oklahoma State in his top eight, along with Oklahoma, Arkansas, UNLV, Texas Tech, North Texas, and UTSA. And today on Instagram, he posted pictures of when he was in Stillwater, but he also posted pictures of when he was in Norman. He's got 12 offers. He's also a standout track athlete who I think could go to any school he wanted in track as well on a scholarship. He put out that top eight, I think it was three days ago. He's visited Oklahoma State multiple times. He's attended some spring practices. He was at the show camp in June. He also, I believe, has an offer from Mike Boynton. He plays for the Bradley Beal Elite on the AAU circuit. So not only is he a track and bass or football star, he's also great on the hardwood as well. I really, really like Nickens. I think it's going to come down to OU and OSU. And I think Oklahoma state's in a really good spot. Yeah. I, this is one I've been following pretty closely for quite some time because he's visited so often. It, it does feel like Oklahoma state's in a really good spot. The only thing I'll say is, there is not a world that Jaden Nickens and Jaden Nixon can be on the same offense at the same time, because every time I want to say it, I want to say Nixon. So we've got to figure that part out. But I think I think Nickens is a fantastic prospect. And the fact that you think it's coming down to an in-state, uh, which I do too, uh, in-state battle. You got to like Oklahoma State's chances in this one. I mean, especially their ability to develop wide receiver talent. I think this one will go down to the wire. Yeah, I agree with you on the problem with their names. <laughs> it's awful. I think, I think that the only way to mitigate the confusion there would be to have them be completely different numbers. Like Nickens needs to be 89. Right. If Nixon's going to be three or whatever, like, and, you know, something like that. And we take the Mike Gundy approach and, and call them by their numbers. That's yes. what we do. I think that's right. I'm sure Dave Hunziker would not be happy about that. I know. No. I know he wasn't. He, I know he gets mad about some of this stuff. The gray jerseys, I know he's not a fan. <laughs> couldn't see the numbers. So we love Dave on this podcast. And it, anything that makes Dave upset is going to make Cade and I upset as do, well. Do we have audio evidence of him getting upset at the similarities of people's names like you and I would? Because I don't know. I think he's probably more stand-up guy than you and I. Yeah, and he's also way better at talking. Uh, oh, Definitely than me, not than you. So, but... I think you guys are on par. Y'all are both y'all are both great. There's no, no flowers. Uh I do not have the stamina. I had to pause multiple times on the uh on the podcast last week by myself, <laughs> my friend. Those are hard. I feel, feel like when I've done the solo ones, I have to go back. I, I do it even when you and I are talking, but I have to go back and like edit out some huge gasps of breath oh, that yeah. I take or like sniffles or anything like that. Cause it's just it bothers me so bad. I'm sure. 
some of the listeners don't really care that much, but I, I have to edit that out. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, hey, this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't, well, we don't have to get in. We can do inside baseball this week if you want. We could do that, you know, next week as well. But <laughs> no, it's tough. I respect that job a lot, especially when you're on air for five hours, six hours on game day. Oh, 100%. Kate, I think that's all we have on football this week because I know next week we're going to have a lot of actual notes from practice, some insider notes, you know, we maybe some depth chart talk, things like that. So that's all we have for football, but there's some basketball news heading into this week as well. Sure is. Sure is. I mean, do you, yeah, you tweeted it out. Let's hear it. Yeah. So Mike Boynton was on the radio with Robert Allen today. It was his first segment this morning on the radio. It was it was a great overall interview. Th- these weren't the only two notes from it. I just kind of wanted to take two of the highlights. They talked about the Cowboys going to the Spain exhibition. They leave on Saturday and they're there until the 15th. They talked about all the newcomers who we've talked about a lot. Your Eric Daly's, your Brandon Garrison's. But Mike Boynton was asked who kind of has stood out to him and they were talking about, you know, guys like Daly and Garrison is kind of who where Robert Allen was taking the convo. Mike Boynton stopped the conversation and he said that Javon Small, the transfer point guard from East Carolina, is the most impactful guy he's brought into this program since Cade Cunningham. Yeah. I mean, w- did you get season tickets? Because that a <laughs> quote like that is a ticket seller, right? And I, I I don't think he's necessarily wrong. If you look at recruiting from Cade Cunningham to now, it's not been that great. And they, their ability, especially to bring in a ball handling point guard in that amount of time has not been very impressive. So that comment doesn't really surprise me. I, I actually, Dustin, would think it's a little more indicative. I mean, I think Javon Small is going to be great. Don't take this as a shot at him. I actually think it would be a little more indicative of the way things have gone the last couple of seasons at the point guard spot than it is, you know, that Javon Small is going to be a number one pick. I think it's more the first. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if he's even just slightly above average at the point guard spot, that'll be... <laughs> Better than anything that Mike Boynton has had since Cade Cunningham at that spot, I believe. As a creator, as like a a, a creator for others, Oklahoma State has not had that since yeah. Cade Cunningham. So yes, it would be an upgrade. I mean, this is a guy who averaged five point six assists per game last right. year. When you know, going in when we first heard about him, and everybody's talking about him kind of being a combo guard, a two guard. Kate, I watched four East Carolina games when I did that film thread. There were they had a guy come off the bench who was like five. I think they list him at five eight. He was probably five five. And when <laughs> he would come in off the bench, he was the point guard. But I think that was kind of out of he had to play the one because he was that short. But when Javon Small was out there without him, which was a majority of his minutes, I know it was only eighteen games last season, but. He was the primary ball hander. He was the facilitator. He started the offense every time. And he was an overall creator, What, like you just mentioned. So I know he doesn't shoot the three particularly well, but if he can be that creator, that facilitator, an off-ball scorer as well at the point guard spot, which he averaged 
nearly 16 points a game last year. It's going to be huge for this Oklahoma State yeah. team, big time. There's no question. I, I think his ability to create and move off the bounce, like Avery Anderson was really good at that, but he was very good going straight downhill. I He was not very good at keeping his eyes up and looking for an opportunity to pass. What I've seen with Javon Small is that his size allows him a little bit more uh, leeway to where he doesn't have to go, you know, head down, arm out, extended to the rim to score. He could keep his head up and dribble and kind of chicken wing with the off arm and then kick out to the, you know, either the the wing three or the baseline three, and then you're good to go. And I, Oklahoma State just not has not had that. And the one thing I'm going to be interested to see is how Mike Boynton's system fits a guy like him because it is very much an isolation, you know, uh, pick and roll there's not a whole lot of ball movement, not a whole lot of motion. And this is historically speaking, maybe with a point guard like this, that's what's been missing. So I, I I can't wait. I think Javon Small is going to unlock a lot for this team. Um, I just hope that they've loaded up around them, uh, around him, because you need somebody to shoot. You need somebody down low that can be a presence. But I don't know if you saw this. There was a blog post this last week that ranked. I need to find the source. I'll try to do it here in a minute. Uh, that ranked Oklahoma State the third best basketball team in the conference headed into this season and mentioned Brandon Garrison as a Patrick Ewing starter kit. So I like if I can that. do anything for you with that, I, I think we'll be okay. Patrick Ewing, good basketball player. Yeah, pretty so that good. Is a, that's a, Up and that's a great comparison i didn't see that so thank you for bringing that up and kate i like the i like the call out from you about javon small fitting into mike boynton's system that will be interesting to see you did kind of segue into point number two from the interview though you talked about guys around him we've been looking for shooters they still have that one scholarship open i'm sure mike boynton will get asked about that i believe it's tomorrow when he's meeting with the media before they leave for spain but a guy that they have on the roster that Mike Boynton called out, Connor Dow from Broken Arrow, the 6'5", 200-ish pound small forward. He said that out of all the incoming guys, out of all the young incoming guys, Connor has picked up the system, college basketball in general, faster than anybody else. Whoa. If he's able to go out there and give you good minutes. This guy can shoot. I'm not saying that's your answer shooting the ball, but if a guy like Jarius Hicklin is, you know, a positive, we still, you know, the, the jury's still out on that. He played at a lower level. We got to see it to believe it. We've seen Mike point and bring some of these lower level shooters in and them not pan out. But if Hicklin and Connor Dow work out, there are two of your shooters right there. Now, Dow has to give it on the defensive end as well, so we'll kind of see that's sometimes hard for some of these talented high school shooters to do at the college level right off the bat. But we'll see how that goes. I still would love for them to use that last scholarship spot on a guy who can shoot, but it's great to hear that out of Boynton's mouth about Dow. I mean, would you would you give up a little bit of defensive, uh, you know, let – they're an elite defensive program. They have been for many years. Would you give up, you know, 10 spots in the defensive efficiency rankings for 10 spots on the offensive efficiency rankings? Yes. I, yes. A hundred percent. You would. I, I think the offense has been what's held Oklahoma state back, not the defense. And I think that the defense has 
truly kept them in way more games than they even belong to be in. So, yeah, the fact that you're talking about a freshman coming in and being able to score would be a big deal. It would be huge. Along with those guys, talking about some players, Mike Boynton has made some staff changes as well heading into next season. So we know about Keaton Page being elevated to the full-time assistant position. Terrence Rincher will now assume the title of associate head coach. Scott Sutton and James Barrett have been elevated from support staff to assistant coach position. So Scott Sutton was an assistant coach. Then he moved to a behind-the-bench position, and now he's back into the assistant coach position. And then they hired Nelson Hernandez as director of player development, which I believe was Keaton Page's former position. With all these staff changes, Hernandez is the only new guy. He joins the staff after being at Fresno State. He was also at Utah State, Clemson, Wright State, BCU, and LSU. Sutton and Barrett's promotions are tied to the new NCAA rule for allowing two additional assistants who may engage in coaching activities outside of recruiting. So it'll be Rencher, David Kaysen, Sutton, Barrett, and Keaton Page as the on-court coaches. And Cade, the other notable thing from that, no Doug Gottlieb. No Doug Gottlieb, and we were waiting on it, weren't we? We were. It sounds like, and you may know more about this than me, but that he could still be involved in some way. We see him tweeting about guys like Keon Williams and things like that. We know he was in Stillwater. We know... We know Oklahoma State talked to him about something. We're not exactly sure what the role was, but it sounds like he may still be involved this season. We don't know that for sure, but that's those are the staff changes. No real, nothing really notable besides I think Scott Sutton moving back to an assistant coach role and Nelson Hernandez being hired, but no big splashes there. Well, Scott Sutton being back on the court has excited some around the program. I I think that you know, his, his coaching ability. I mean, he's been doing it for so long on the court. I do think it's going to be valuable. And again, if it gets people around the program excited, I mean, it's going to be a net positive. So, uh, all right, two quick recruiting notes for basketball. Oklahoma state made the top six for Caden Diggs, 2024, small forward, six, seven, 180 pounds from the Bullis school in Potomac, Maryland. He's a three-star number 24, small forward, number two, rated player in Maryland. He, I think along with Oklahoma state, I believe it's Seton hall, George Washington, Richmond, old dominion and Iowa. So Oklahoma state, not competing with a ton of big names there. I think Iowa and Oklahoma state would be the two biggest names. He's got 15 total offers. He got the Oklahoma state offer in may. He's been on a visit to Iowa and to George Washington. So we'll keep an eye on, on Caden Diggs. I like what I've seen. I haven't watched a lot. Kate, any thoughts on Diggs? I haven't seen a ton about him. I know that a lot of people are excited about him, though. One of the things that just jumps out at me with the amount of early offers Oklahoma State makes at the high school level is the transfer portal is still around. And so, yeah. you know, I continue to wonder about Oklahoma State's philosophy in that regard, but that's neither here nor there. I think Diggs is a good player. Yeah. And then the other note is Jeremiah Johnson is scheduled an official visit. I believe it'll be that September 1st weekend. He'll probably be here for the whole weekend. He's 2024, 6'3", 170-pound point guard from Phoenix Prep in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a three-star, number 13 point guard, number nine rated player in Arizona. He was formerly at Putnam City, I believe, and has moved to Phoenix 
to continue playing. He's got multiple offers, LSU, Arkansas, Illinois, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Tulsa. I believe he reclassified from the 2023 class and is now 2024, obviously with that prep school experience that he'll be playing. He was a top. This is really interesting, Kate. I actually didn't know this. You may have known this about Johnson. I or I may have heard it and forgot. He was a top 20 national prospect yeah. in 2023 before he was shot twice in an incident near an abandoned building in Oklahoma City. Doctors removed two bullets from his body, and I, I think that kind of played into his transfer to Phoenix and his reclassification. But he is a really, really good player. Like I said, a top 20 level player. He's the number 13 rated point guard in the 2024 class. So big time that he's going to be coming in to Stillwater on an official visit. On yeah, an official I, visit. I think a guy that Oklahoma State has felt really good about for a long time. I think he was just a year younger than, uh, well, no, that's wrong. I, I can't remember how, uh, when Oklahoma State came on the radar with him, but it's been multiple years. And I think him going into his senior year, finally coming out around to being able to make a decision is a big deal. Cause I know Oklahoma state's been on him for a long time, even prior to that, uh, you know, almost tragic, but definitely unfortunate uh, incident that happened in Oklahoma city. I think that was a couple of years ago. So yeah, um, it's good to see him still doing well. Um, and yeah, I think Oklahoma state takes him in a heartbeat and I, I do feel like they're in a good spot here. Hey, any other basketball notes before we move to the roundup and questions? Nothing I can think of, man. Just I want to welcome the Arizona Wildcats to this conference one of these days. We'll see. <laughs> we have, I think, three or four questions. I'm sure about realignment. <laughs> so I was ready to hit those, ready to hit those there. And we'll definitely be talking some Wildcats and some Wildcat basketball. On to the roundup, Cade. Let's start with baseball. So first, just a quick note: Oklahoma State will be back in Globe Life Field in Arlington for the kind of season preview series the college baseball series preview in it'll be february 23rd through 25th that they'll be there with michigan arkansas and oregon state we know they were there last year something oklahoma state has done a lot recently they play in globe life field the beginning of the season and then at the end of the season for the big 12 tournament and this is called the shriners children's college showdown so that'll be cool one quick note also on a transfer out from Oklahoma State, Brennan Holt. We heard some rumors that maybe he was considering not transferring. He actually has fully transferred out. He is going to be at South Alabama. He was the transfer infielder from LSU. Was at Oklahoma State. Now he's back out to South Alabama. Tough loss with the middle infield. That's lost Marcus Brown and Rock Riggio. I know you and I have talked about that. And then, Kate, this is the big news that – it happened last week, but I wanted to talk about it on here. Xavier Casarilla, the JUCO player that Oklahoma State had got to commit, that we've talked about a lot, he signed as an undrafted free agent with the Houston Astros <laughs> for 170 k I believe that was one of the highest of anyone that wasn't drafted, their signings. I think this is a big loss. Yeah. I know it's not one that's being talked about a lot. Third baseman can could play outfield as well. Big-time power hitter was sixth in JUCO and home runs and ninth in hits. 
I still like what Oklahoma State is bringing back as far as hitting and in the field. But Xavier Casarillo was someone I was banking on to come in and be a big boost to this lineup, and he will not be at Oklahoma State this spring. I mean, what's your what's your take on Cowboy baseball going into next year? Because this is that it has not gone well. I mean, the guys that they've pulled in from JUCO or the portal, the ones that we thought were going to be instant impact, they're they're off to the majors and the minors. So, I mean, how are you feeling about things right now? You know, there's some big losses in your Riggios, your McLeans. If we're just talking about guys in the field and at the plate, let's leave pitchers out for a second. You're David Mendham, you're Chase Atkinson. These are all really, really good players. I'm not trying to downplay their losses, but I, I really like Colin Brigerman. If Aiden Miola is back fully healthy, we saw what he can do. Tyler Wolford will be back. He had one of the best averages on the team. Ian Doherty, who was injured a lot last season, but he has showed some promise at catcher. Bo Sylvester, then they basically got the entire outfield back with Nolan Schubert, Zach Erhard, Carson Binge. So you've got a lot back at the plate and in the field. Miola spelled Riggio at second base, so if he's healthy, he can play there. They've got the transfer in at shortstop. Hopefully he's able to kind of continue improving. You know, we saw him kind of have some ups and downs. Pitching, just like it was this year, though, Cade, is my big question mark you should be getting ryan you're back focus should be back but you lose stebbins you lose mclean who i know was injured a lot last year you lose Juwan watts brown who was pretty inconsistent but a guy who you thought maybe you could right. get to come back and abram is gone out of eligibility he was a bright spot for your starting rotation you've got the young guys like brennan phillips who looked great in the big 12 tournament you've got some young guys coming in but we'll see. I, I mean, if you can't get consistent pitching, I think the season could end up a lot like last year went with yeah. an early exit in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I'm i just concerned about, at this point, I'm a little concerned about kind of everything. Not not hitting the button by any means, but I just feel like you've lost, now you've lost some pop in your lineup and you have not replaced much in your pitching rotation that uh was already underwhelming to begin with and so you at least to me you and that's a very you know paint with a broad brush right there but that's a that's the way i'm putting the pieces together in my brain so you hope they figure things out and they've got plenty of time to do so but yeah it's just you know with casarilla going that continues a trend for oklahoma state i mean the xavier transfer as well uh a guy that they were going to count on to uh do some really good things who's also not going to be there yeah, Ethan Bosacker. That was a tough yeah, thank you. loss. Yeah. I mean, congrats to him for signing. Awesome that he got drafted. But yeah, you're right. You're going to be expecting a lot from some true freshmen, and then you're going to want the guys who showed a lot of promise at the plate that are youngsters and your Bregamans and your Schuberts and your Binges yep. to be able to replicate that again next season. And maybe some guys like a Zach Earhart who had kind of a slow start after his injury to come back to form that he was in his true freshman season. Right. So we'll see. Definitely not super concerned about them at the plate, but in the field and the pitching staff, like you mentioned, there's definitely some question marks. Yeah, no question. I I trust Josh, but uh, there, there are some question marks. There's no question. Yeah, and shout out to uh, those new hires. I know you talked about them last yeah. week. Mark Ginther was in school with me. I don't know Mark very well personally, but you know our friend, I know he's not listening to the podcast. I'm <laughs> sure he never listens, but... 
our, our friend of the pod, Davis Duran, who was a second baseman on that team. He knows Mark really well, you know, talk, you know, obviously you need to talk to Davis a little bit about that, but that's awesome. No, have some mutual friends. And I think what he's done at West Virginia, no joke. kind of getting what we've seen from him recently, it's going to be awesome. I think to have him back and have a young, younger guy in the system like that. The only thing that sucks is it sounds like Tom Dorado said on the radio today that Ventura and Mercer most likely aren't going to be back. Yeah. That's the way the I took roles. that. That's yeah. the way I took that, but I didn't want to throw that out there as a like, Hey, this is what's going to happen. But yeah, it two guys coming in, that's going to be tough. I mean, unless, you know, somebody else is moving on. So um, no, Dustin, I'm glad you brought that up. But again, that was my take last week with, you know, Ginther's done some good stuff at a program that's on the rise in West Virginia baseball, which you don't think of baseball in Morgantown. So, yeah, JJ Weatherholt changed that this past season. Oh, that's so. that's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, for softball, Vanessa Shippy Flesher secured the full time coaching role with Cal Calgirl Softball. You and I thought that was the move. So that coaching staff is full now, even with the one assistant addition. So you've got Clover, you've got. Uh, Carrie Everly, and then you've got Shippy Fletcher. I think it's awesome. I know the girls really love Shippy Fletcher. We we've seen her do great things. Every interview that I've heard with her, she's awesome. She seems like a great person. So that it's great to have her on full time. Yeah. And then Maddie Sue Simpson is back with Oklahoma State to coordinate video and analytics. She played at Oklahoma State. She finished her career as Oklahoma State's career leader with games played, games started. Bats, runs batted in, sack flies, defensive assist, and double plays turned. She had 31 career home runs, a mark that ranked third in the history of the program at the time of her graduation. She's a former graduate assistant, and then she was at Tulsa, and now she's back. And Cade, I didn't realize that the Simpson is because she's married to former Oklahoma State baseball standout Colin Simpson. Oh, wow. I did not know that either. <laughs> yeah, so that is where the Simpson comes from. So that's awesome. Colin Simpson was like one of my favorite players at Oklahoma State. Just small ball of oh yeah power at the play. Absolutely. So, uh, on wrestling, Dayton Fix claimed a gold medal in Poland, so he took home the gold at sixty-one kg. I believe he beat Austin DeSanto. I think that's the second time he's beaten that guy in a yeah, I think that's tournament right. like this. <laughs> and then Dustin Plot at seventy-nine kg. He came in third he he won the bronze medal match so great stuff from plot and fix state and fix just continuing to rack up the honors in one of the most prolific wrestling careers we've ever seen cowboy wrestling also elevated had some coaching changes they elevated some staffers he john smith announced that the promotion of tyler caldwell and gary wayne harding to the roles of assistant coach and recruiting coordinator respectively they were both on the staff they just got promotions there Track and field also making some coaching changes. They announced John Oliver as assistant distance coach and John Langley was promoted to associate head coach. So Oliver was at Purdue previously and then Langley was at Oklahoma state and he just got a promotion there. Cowboy golf, Jonas Baumgartner grabbed top 10, a top 10 PGA tour university ranking so that was announced, I think, recently. So that's for 2024. In partnership with the World Amateur Golf Ranking, PGA Tour University ranks players based on the last two years of their collegiate careers. 
eligible tournaments include NCAA Division I men's team competitions, official PGA Tour tournaments, and select DP World Tour events. So that's pretty awesome for the German native Baumgartner. He you know, had a very prolific, to use that word again, Oklahoma State golf career. So it'll be awesome to watch him in the professional ranks. And then lastly, Cowboy Tennis added Max Kohler to its coaching staff. Kohler comes to Stillwater after spending the past two seasons in the same capacity for the men's program at UC Santa Barbara. He was also a volunteer assistant for the men's program at OU before that. So that's all I have for the roundup, Cade. That was a lot, a lot of coaching changes, <laughs> but we, I think we covered it all. It is coaching change season, Dustin. I That's what August notoriously is. And uh, you saying John Oliver was going to be one of the new track and field assistant coaches did get a chuckle out of me because the <laughs> idea of late night John Oliver in Stillwater uh, very quickly went through my head. And uh, that that would be quite the uh, quite the sight. Uh, I, did, I honestly didn't even think about that. That's super funny. All right, Cade, I'm ready for questions. If you are, are you do you have the audio one pulled up that we have or do you need me to pull it up? Yeah, no, I've got it queued up right here, Dustin. And again, we always love audio questions and uh, thankful to anybody that takes the time out of their day to send one of these in. Here's one actually from a frequent flyer, Bill Minat. Hey, Dustin and Cade. Curious what y'all think are the hottest seats in Stillwater going into the 2023-2024 school year. I think it's got to be some combination of Mike Boynton, Casey Dunn, Charlie Dickey, and John Smith, if we're just talking about needing to exceed last year's results. Um, curious to know y'all's thoughts. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. I mean, Dustin, if you're asking me the hottest seats in Stillwater this year, it's going to be those black ones that they just put into Boone Pickett Stadium. <laughs> I love that answer. I love that answer. Bill, thank you so much for sending in the audio question and for always sending in awesome questions. Always. Hey, do you want to power rank them real quick, maybe? Is that the best way to do it? Probably. Where do you start? Three, like three, two, one. I think we should do that personally. Yeah, let's let's do that. I think also, and tell me if you disagree, and I, I will appreciate you if you disagree. <laughs> I think you almost have to remove John Smith, though. I think his would be a retirement. It's don't an you, unfireable I, situation. I think you're right. I don't think you can fire the best wrestler in history. Yeah. I think it would be a mutual <laughs> thing where he kind of leaves because I don't think he would coach again. I think he would be done. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And I think that for it, it that would not happen. That would not yeah. happen. I mean, it, it's just even the optics of it to to fire maybe the best coach in the history of Oklahoma state athletics. John Smith is up there with the Gallagher's and the Ibas in that conversation. I just don't see that happening. So I agree with yeah. you. So who's your three. If you want to go like least likely to most three, two, one least likely, least I wouldn't hot. even least say, hot, I, guess. I wouldn't even say that this counts because he's not on the hot seat to me, but if we're going three, just for the sake of conversation, I'll probably put um I'll probably put Mike Gundy there because I don't I don't think that he's anywhere near the two and one, but there's really nobody at four, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh it's either him or Josh Holiday. And I think anyway, I don't want to steal your both. thunder, Dustin, but yeah. Like, no, I mean both aren't hot that hot. No, they're so not I, that I, hot. I think if you're looking at the major sports, yeah, I think you can maybe put them as a tie there. I think two, you probably have to put 
I mean, I think that one and two. What what is it between Dunn and Boynton? Does Dunn count? Did did are See, we doing assistance? Because I was just doing. Because if we're doing assistance, then Mike Gundy is like number twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if let, let's keep let's keep and and Dickie's another one. I, I don't exactly. think Dickie would coach again. I think his would be a retirement mutual thing because he's pretty old. I'm pretty sure. I don't know his exact age. But he coached at Kansas State right. for a long time. Yeah. And he's been all over the place. So we'll, we'll take Dickey and Dunn out because Dunn's is obviously, if Oklahoma State's offense forms anywhere near how it did last season, then Dunn's probably gone, I would think. Cause that was like the worst offensive season in Mike Gundy's history since like the beginning of his year, like in, in recent history. So if you even got close to that again, I think he's gone. But if you improve upon that, I don't think he's gone. <laughs> so I think he gets one more year. So if, if, if you know, if they win eight, nine games this year, you're not going to fire Don. Yeah. So if we're doing assistant coaches, then Mike Gundy's nowhere, anywhere close on this list. And yeah. so therefore I would agree with you. You put Dunn at three. Is that what you did? Because I would, all, I, I would put yeah. Charlie Dickey at two, if that's what we're doing, because I, Dustin, I personally think that the hottest seat in Stillwater is in the basketball side yeah. of things, right? Yeah. Mike Boynton. It's Mike Boynton. I think it's Mike Boynton. And I mean, Kate, if, if they don't make the tournament, do you think it's almost guaranteed that he's gone? I would not say it's guaranteed, but I I think that the natives would be restless. And yeah, I, uh, I couldn't say it was guaranteed either. I agree with you, but I think if he doesn't make the tournament, not sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think the seat becomes scorching hot. I, I think it's scorching hot now. Like I, I think that it's a, it's a put up or shut up year for Mike Boynton. I think he knows it. I think he believes that, uh, because with this roster, that's why we talked about the importance of bringing in proven transfer portal guys. He did bring in one, but the rest are, I mean, a little bit of unproven's, and so if you're asking me, like this year does not shape up to be the season sa- career saving uh, roster that you would have hoped for Mike Boynton, but he may know something we don't about a, about a Javon Small. And again, I I think that it starts to be a the fans will speak with their their money and. Dustin, I'm a diehard Oklahoma State fan. I I will keep my season tickets, but I would wonder if the people around me would begin to keep their season yeah. tickets with another, you know, type of uh, season that they had last year. No, I completely agree. I'm going to be interested, and Mike Boynton actually does a good job of answering questions truthfully. I think with the media, I agree. With so that. when he meets with the media, I believe it's tomorrow. Our guy, our buddy, Marshall Scott from Pistol right. Firing. He said he would ask him about that last scholarship spot. So, Marshall, if you're listening, please ask him. Please do. And I hope I hope Mike Boynton gives some insight on it. Yep, please do. Text me, and I'll credit you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was awesome, Bill. Thanks so much for the question, Cade. Great breakdown. I think I made it confusing. Thanks for getting it back no. on track. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have R. Helmy at R-H-L-E-Y-M-E-Y. He has two questions. We'll hit them both because I think we've got plenty of time to get through these. Most people don't give us us as an Oklahoma State, give us much credit going into this season. 
over under wins six and a half, even with our schedule. Feels like it's only based on how we finished last year and the portal debacle. Yeah. Last chance before camp, final prediction. Mine's 10 and two and beat OU. Okay. Whoa. So I totally agree with that. I think that the uh, transfer portal exodus was the common thread. Everybody I've talked to about Oklahoma State thinks that the transfer portal gutted the roster. So I, I totally believe that over is the play. Uh, my final prediction, I think Dustin is nine and three. I just, well, I do think they're going to be very good. Exactly the same. But I, I 10 wins. 10 wins is like one of Mike Gundy's best years ever. So this is so this is kind of what I'm thinking, Cade, breaking down the schedule when I looked at this question. And thank you so much for this question, and thank you for the next one too, because that'll get us into the string of realignment ones. And also, not to take this on a complete side tangent, <laughs> but the national podcast and national media, they I don't know people it. bash them for not knowing stuff. But in this transfer portal era, era, and even before that, how are you supposed to have in-depth knowledge on all 131 yeah, I, of these teams? Like yeah. anyone who tries to be a national podcast, I, I get it. Like ESPN, obviously, they've got to talk about everybody, and so they're gonna, but they're gonna focus on the main schools. But if you say you're a national college football podcast, I think you're lying to yourself. Yeah, I and mean, to you, everyone. Your producer needs to be on point because it is impossible. The only one that I really think does a really good job is Josh Pate. And he, yes, he's, he's I good. think he's nailed Oklahoma State this offseason. Yeah, he's good, but I'm sure, and not this isn't a shot at Josh. I would not be able to do it, even if it was my no full time job. I'm sure there's schools that think Josh Pate knows nothing about them. So, <laughs> I, I would agree. Maybe it's because I agree with him. Yeah. <laughs> my my point basically was if if you're mad at national podcasts for not knowing everything about every school, then I don't know what to tell you because that's literally impossible. Maybe the hardest job ever. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> seems unbelievably difficult. Podcast wise. So uh anyway, sorry for the tangent that no one probably cared about. I'm going three and oh in the non-con, even though Kate, I'm gonna continue saying it. I think the only other person that's on my side is Robert Allen. And that's a duo you don't want to mess with, me and Robert Allen, for <laughs> sure. But South Alabama is going to be a tough game. I still think 3-0. I think the losses are K-State at home in UCF in Orlando, just because I think that stadium is going to be rocking. And I still think UCF is going to be good. Even though I know some people think they're going to be overrated, I'm sure that may that could probably happen. I thought TCU wasn't going to be very good last year. And then I think they just lose another random game, but I couldn't yeah, figure out which one I think it is because I think they're going to beat OU. Yeah, I do too. I, I think that they are. I just don't see it with OU, and I think Oklahoma State's going to be much more level-headed. They're. I think they're going to remind me of that 2021 Baylor team that won the uh, Big 12 title. I just, I'm going to keep drawing similarities to that roster. But I agree with you. I think I actually think the game they slip up is Houston on the road. That one, it, and I don't have them losing against Central Florida because those are back-to-back. -back. I actually have them winning that game and little hangover effect slipping up in Houston. I, I think you and I said this exact same thing last time we Did broke we? down okay. the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said UCF and you said Houston, and then I was like, one of those two. So that's perfect. At least we're consistent. And I think we've been saying nine and three since I went to that practice. 
So it's been a long time. It has been. And I think a lot of people are coming around to you and I, and, and I'm seeing a lot of nine wins thrown around out there. I mean, I, I could totally say win nine wins those. before that. I mean, so you might 10 wins. Is, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I am normally first at uh, overestimating Oklahoma state. Um, but I would say 10 is more likely than seven in my mind. Yeah. If they don't make a bowl game, if they don't cover that six and a half, which I know they could still make a bowl game and not cover that. I'm going to be shocked. I'm, I'm promise you this is not orange Kool-Aid drinking. Just, you know, total rainbows and sunshine Oklahoma state take. If they don't cover six and a half, I'm going to be really shocked. Yeah. Now it could be seven, but I, I would be shocked. It's, it's I, I would over. be shocked. I would personally be shocked by seven. It's why I hammered over six and a half when I was in Kansas. Yeah. He 100%. actually asked me for money. He took some of my money and put I it did. Well. And the interest rate is outrageous. So uh, I props to you on that. The compounding yeah, so daily thing work, that worked the, in banking. Yeah. Compounding daily was the real kicker for me. So I need to, <laughs> I need this to hit. Uh, the next question from our guy, our homie, and this, so we're going to do, I think we'll do them all separate, Cade, but these are all realignment questions, three in a row. I think it's three, maybe four. So he says, sorry, one more. Please don't apologize. <laughs> if Arizona comes and brings Arizona State and Utah, why would we want Oregon and Washington, even if they decided to sign a long-term term GOR? Can't imagine a worse cultural fit. I, Kate, I'll throw it to you, but my take on that is if Oregon and Washington want to come, even if it takes you over 16 teams, you take them. It's a no-brainer to me. And yeah, I also I, I also don't, Dustin, I have a hot take on this. If it was me, by the time the ACC Grand Rights comes up, I would expect that UCF and West Virginia are a part of that. I really think you need to take a longer-term view of what this looks like. Like, West Washington and Oregon, the, they are not a cultural outlier in that situation. The cultural outliers are actually West Virginia and Central Florida. Because if you think about it, everybody else is west of the Mississippi. Those are the only two. Actually, I guess Cincinnati now you have to include. But 13 of the 16 in that conference, 15 of the 18 rather, are west of the Mississippi. I actually think that you could see a situation in five to seven years where uh, Cincinnati, West Virginia, UCF, especially those last two end up being, you know, part of that. So, yeah. And, and just to move, I think that segued perfectly into the next one. So Tyler Jones, DO at Dr. Tyler Jones. Thanks Tyler for the question. He says, what is your dream grab from the PAC 12 and what do you think will actually happen? I, I think the dream Cade, now that you already have Colorado, would be Oregon, Utah, Washington. Yep. Right. That's it, I mean, those are the three best brands that you could get, I think, from the Pac 12 at this time. But realistically, I think it's going to be something more like Arizona for now. And then maybe an Arizona State and a Utah. Is that, I mean, we're, you, That's you, are much better at these predictions than me. So no, that's exactly the way I see it. I think that Arizona would be the first one to break rank. And I think Utah and Arizona state, at least from what I've read would be more likely to play hardball and 
you know, but at this point, it sounds like the Pac-12 deal is is a, uh, you know, a paper tiger. And the deal that Apple presented was based on subscriptions. I saw a tweet just a little while ago, basically said for the Pac-12 to match the $32.6 million payout that the Big 12 is looking at, they would need 10% of America to subscribe to it if it costs the same as Apple TV. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not going great. to happen. That's not going yeah. to happen. I can promise you that. So I I would expect that some moves happen. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I mean, Arizona, I, I, that literally could happen at any time. So we'll, we'll kind of see. We'll keep you locked for that. If that happens, obviously, any confirmed moves on realignment, we will definitely will hit. I know we don't talk a ton of realignment on here, when it's confirmed, teams moving that directly affects on field. Play, oh, you have to talk about play. So we're going to talk about it. You have to talk about it. There's no no question about it. Awesome. The next one, another. This is our last realignment one, I believe. This is Kyle C at the OK State fan 05. I think this is like more of just kind of our thoughts on his statement. Not really a question, but adding a Houston and possibly an Arizona or UConn increases the basketball conference brand for sure, but will most likely add up to more losses than the OSU win-loss column year in and year out. Wins will be at a premium with Baylor, Kansas, Houston, Arizona at the top each year. Cade, what what's kind of your take? I'll make the question. What's kind of your take on adding an Arizona or UConn, a school that's a big-time basketball brand who's been good at basketball recently, do you care that this could hurt Oklahoma State standing in the Big 12? Or do you just prefer that it just boosts the overall Big 12 in basketball? I think you boost the overall Big 12. We've talked about this before, actually. I think I brought this up kind of on its own. The idea of a bit, a super Big 12 basketball conference that's, you know, four more potential one seeds added to it. I mean, that's literally what you're looking at with UConn, Arizona, and Houston. And then, you know, you throw in a, I guess, a, um, an Oregon has been up there before, but, you know, you get my point, Dustin. I, I think that it's Oklahoma State's problem. It's not the Big 12's problem. Oklahoma State basketball needs to find itself and and it's beyond time. And the times are catching up with them and passing them. And if realignment causes some issues, then that's your own fault. So that's where I see it. Yeah, I agree. Thank you guys so much for those realignment questions. That's why we didn't, we waited to talk it because we had those questions later, but we'll keep it locked for realignment because it's obviously, like we said, big news when teams actually join the conference. All right, next we've got Sam Butchert at GoPokes02. He says, what are your guys' top five Oklahoma State games you've been to? Could be any sport. Whoa. And I wrote a couple down. You want to do You want to do three for time's sake? Yeah, let's I do three. Sam asked for five. I, I was actually having a little bit of trouble. And I know I always use this as my cop-out excuse, but I have <laughs> to preface it with this game because – I didn't attend any Oklahoma State events until 2007, and I lived in Houston for six years after college and only would, came back during football season, really. So I have a limited amount to choose from, so don't hate me. But my number one, I think I'm going to go with 2021 Bedlam. Yeah. I, I wasn't at it. It was a heartbreaker that I wasn't there. Yeah, I, I mean, that was just awesome. Stay with my wife, a ton of fun. Then number two, I think I got to go 2011 Bedlam. I know it wasn't a good game, but that was so much fun. Just yeah. so much fun to watch. Really, any game 
football camp from the 2011 season. And then I was kind of in between on three with the 2008 Oklahoma State basketball win over number five KU, Byron Eton free throws. That was awesome, storming the court and everything like that. I was a student then. But also the 2019 Big 12 Baseball Tournament Championship over West Virginia, that was just a fun all-around day, Memorial Day weekend. Went out with some friends after the game. Had one of my good buddies who's Australian, had never been to a college baseball game, and he got to be a Big 12 champ that day with us in Oklahoma State. So that one, I know it's kind of random, but that was just a fun all-around day. So I'll go with those as my top three with an honorable mention. Yeah, let's just, with my next three, assume that my one and two would be the same. I actually didn't get to go to 21-21 Bedlam. I was traveling for Thanksgiving, but 2011 Bedlam would hands down be my number one. Um, I'll probably go number two uh, is 2013 Baylor. And then number three, I, I have a hard time with this, but I might go 2018 Texas. I mean, that that Tylen Wallace game, Sam Ellinger, you know, Tom Herman and Mike Gundy meeting out yeah. at midfield. That was a uh, a powder keg in Boone Pickens Stadium that night. Storming the field was amazing. And in honor, honorable mention, uh, basketball game I'll give you. I think this was 2016. This was Brad Underwood's first year. The Bedlam game against OU that year at home when Juwan Evans dropped 42 was the best basketball environment I had ever been to at that point yeah. and probably still to this day. That's a good one. That's a good one. I I think those are those are great. I, also, another honorable mention, every Oklahoma State Cowgirl game that I've been to at the, Cow, uh, at the Softball Hall of Fame, whether that be Big 12 Tournament or College World Series, They've won and they've been really fun that yeah. I've gone to. So I, not one specific, but I think I've been to like three, three nice. or four. They've all been fun. Yeah. I think somebody would probably answer this and say the uh, national championship out at Karsten was probably right up there too for them. I didn't get to go to that either, but I wasn't I, my brother has uh, talked about it admirably for years. So, <laughs> Okay, Kate, I, this one I might throw to you because okay. I know you – know a little bit more about this than me but this is from lemon at melvin crownover on an episode of the 1012 main podcast where philip was ranking big 12 football job shout out to philip he said one of his reasons for not putting osu number one was problems with their collective nil effort he never really defined that though could someone please tell me what he means is it just not enough money in general at play is it not being used in the right way what is it? Thank you guys and love the podcast. Thank you for the shout out. Kate, I know you've mentioned to me that maybe we are a little bit behind the times as far as NIL and the collective went and we're trying to catch up. I anything I say would be speculative. Like I'm I'm right, not right, in it. Obviously. And I also would uh, you know, I would venture to guess that anybody that's talking about it is speculating. I think that Oklahoma State is a athletics program with limited donor access and you look at an arkansas and a texas tech those are huge donor bases and i just i don't think that oklahoma state has that uh and so rather than say that oklahoma state's not caught up i think i've actually changed my tune as i've 
just heard more of what's gone on. Again, I'm not plugged in necessarily. Right. But I just think that Oklahoma State's limited in that capacity. And I think a lot of programs are. I, I don't think that Oklahoma State has done anything incorrectly. Now, I think early on that they got passed quickly. I think they got passed by those Texas Techs who were handing out $20,000 to each uh, scholarship athlete. Then you realize it's like, oh, well, that's because somebody gave them a, you know, a, a, a bag full of gold bars. So uh, it's it starts to make yeah, it's like they're like Scrooge McDuck and it starts to make a little more sense. So I don't think it's anything that Oklahoma State's done necessarily. I just think it's maybe more of indicative of what Oklahoma State may be. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge McDuck, possible <laughs> best fantasy cartoon character, potential donor. I mean, you it's really want to have him plugged into the program. There's no question about He's it. He's got a swimming pool full of goals. We see if we can anyway. figure out where that one is and, uh, <laughs> you know, give them the same interest rate you gave me. No, ho- hopefully that answers the question. And Cade, only throwing that over to you because I know you, you've you talked about it a lot. You've talked about it to me a lot. Not saying that we know anything specific, but that was just, I, I know Cade had some thoughts yeah, on I, that kind of NIL and collective stuff. I've talked to a lot of people and, and heard a lot. And I think the general consensus is that the donor engagement is a challenge at Oklahoma State. Yeah, no, it makes sense. All right, we've got uh, Oach4OSU at Oach4O. He says, what position group are you looking forward to seeing improvement from this year, and why is it O-line? <laughs> obviously, O-line. Well, I'll give you two others, though, and let me know your thoughts. I'm going to go linebacker, and I'm sure somebody would come back and say Mason Cobb, but Mason Cobb isn't there anymore. <laughs> so I think you're improving upon what you still have on the roster your Xavier Benson's, your Nick Martins, Jeff Robertson, who we didn't get to see, who I'm really excited about, Justin Wright coming in. I, I think it's improvement as a unit overall and improvement minus Mason Cobb because he's not there anymore. I think that that's a very bold and correct answer. Like the linebackers are a question mark. And one that I think people keep forgetting that's going to be even if yeah. the O line is better, I know where you're going. You gotta have a good. You gotta have a good running back. Yep, yep. And running back was not great last year. I, I thought Dominic Richin, Richardson was very underwhelming. I, I'm actually shocked at the kind of positive things I'm hearing out of Baylor. The fact that he might be one of their top guys going into this season is is shocking to me. And not not anything personally negative. Dominic Dominic Richardson. I just did not think. He was very good in his time at OSU, and I know he was injured, things like that. You've got Elijah Collins coming in, who was good at Michigan State a couple years ago. We're st- I mean, we need to see him at Oklahoma State. You've got Ollie Gordon, who was a really highly touted recruit. And then you've got Jaden Nixon, who we've seen flashes from, but has he not gotten enough opportunities? Or, has I, I mean, does he just not have it at the college level? And I know I'm being pretty negative about the running backs, but – you got to see an improvement there or it it won't be Casey Dunn or the O-line's fault. It it would be the running back's fault. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's a great answer and I I don't have much more to add, but I, I think it's just spot on that the running backs, you know, they're under, under proven. There's no question about that. They have been since Jalen Warren left and then the offensive line is a major question mark. So can you run the ball this year is dependent on not one, but two position groups. 
And the standard for running backs at Oklahoma State, not, not even considering Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas, is high. I sure mean, your is. Justice Hills, your Chuba Hubbards, and your Jalen Warrens kind of in that sure. little string right there. Before that, your Kendall Hunters, Tostens, guys like that. I, I mean, th- that's the standard at Oklahoma State, and you'd love to see one of these guys kind of break out and not be at that level, but be much better than anything we had last season. So great question. Uh, Jake W at Jakers underscore W. Can OSU replace cornerback Jabbar Muhammad? Sure. I mean, I I don't know if they're going to have a one-in-one, you know, replacement for him. I think collectively, though, they're going to find enough guys that can go at that level to where it's not going to be a super steep drop-off. I think Corey Black's going to be ready to be the guy. And then, you know, Kenneth Harris plus Cam Smith and some others uh, will probably be ready to fill that void. Yeah, honestly, Jabbar, huge loss. I agree with you. It's not somebody you can just replace this season. I don't think with one person, like you said, like one in, one out. But, Kate, I know one of the big questions you asked last year was depth at cornerback. Yep. And going into this year, you've got Cam Smith, who got a bunch of run due to injuries last season. You've got Corey Black, even more experienced than he was last year. You've got Arkansas State transfer Kenneth Harris, who's very experienced at the college level coming in. And then you've got DJ McKinney, who didn't get a lot of run, but he's got another year of practice under his belt. So I almost feel better, I think, about the cornerback room as a whole, even though maybe I feel a little bit worse about the starters without Jabbar. But I I feel, you know, if someone were to go down with injury and you had to put a Kenneth Harris or a DJ McKinney in, I, I mean, I think those guys are competing with Cam Smith and Corey Black, I don't think either of them are going to start over those guys, but I think there's definitely a competition right now. Yeah, I mean, my whole question was around depth. It was never really starting line. Like, I I, I like Cam Smith a lot. I mean, he played really well when he had a chance to. It really, it really was, what do you have underneath them in case one goes down? I mean, inevitably, you just have to prepare for that. Um, and then I, you know, I still have questions around that. If, if you have a situation where you're down to three, that's going to be problematic for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I agree. All right, last one was from the DMs. This is Charles Watson at Trey Watson 3. He said, who do you think will be start the starting offensive line week one, and who do you want to be the starting offensive line week one? Kid, I know you got a depth chart offensive line question last week, so I can hit this one real quick if you want. I think it's going to be Dalton Cooper at left tackle, Jason Brooks at left guard, Joe Mahalski at center, Preston Wilson at right guard and Jake Springfield at right tackle. That's who I think it's going to be for the first game. Who I want it to be for the first game is I want Cole Birmingham at left tackle. I want Jason Brooks at left guard. I want Joe Maholski at center, Preston Wilson at right guard, and I want Dalton Cooper at right tackle. Oh, yeah. No offense to Jake Springfield. I thought he had a great season last year. I would rather him be your swing tackle, and then you have a Taylor Materko as your swing guard. I think Cole Birmingham is your best option at I think Birmingham and Cooper are your best options at tackle. And I think I would rather Cole at left tackle because he's had experience there. Cause I think Cooper can play either side. So I, I think that's the line I would want. And I don't know anything, but that's just my the line I would want. I, well, I'll take the one you want because uh I <laughs> you're you're the O line guy around these parts. I will say my prediction was exactly what you said on the starting line uh, that I said last week. So I'll take it. 
I, I would just be kind of shocked if Springfield isn't a starter week one. Me too. And if he's not, that's going to make me feel probably really good about whoever's taking his place, whether that be Cooper or Birmingham, because that means they outperformed a guy that we know Charlie Dickey likes who played pretty well last year. Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, I I just, I'm with you on Cole Birmingham. It's like when he was there, he was kind of the best one they had. So, and he's going to guard. I mean, he could be anywhere. Right, right, 100%. No, Dustin, that's fantastic. Uh, I think that's it for listener questions this week. Uh, yep. We've gone plenty long for an off-season podcast, but I'm not going to let you go yet, Dustin. You deserve some flowers, and and we don't have to end on a long-breaking news segment, but you do deserve some credit for this. You've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast as a distinct possibility to look out for in the Big 12 land. And Hunter Deckers, it's just been reported as we've been on the podcast that he's been accused of gambling on Cyclone sports, including a football game against Oklahoma State in 2021 that he did not play in and was also charged uh, on Tuesday with tampering with records related to an Iowa criminal division investigation. So, Dustin, I think that probably puts Iowa State in a difficult spot headed into this season because, I mean, that that's probably it for Hunter Deckers. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And e- even if he's not suspended for the entire season, he's for sure, I think, going to be out for that Oklahoma State game, which is going to be their fourth game, I believe. They've got, I, I mean, they've got some talented guys behind them in Rocco Beck, and then they've got that freshman, J.J. Cole. He's a true freshman. I don't think Beck has thrown very many passes in game. Iowa State, I don't, you and I, and most of the national media, even though, trash the national media earlier has Iowa state not being very good this year. I think that Oklahoma state still needs to go in there. It's going to be in Ames. We know what can happen in Ames. I think they go in there though and destroy Iowa state and, and just start their big 12 season off. Right. It is hilarious though, that deck he bet on the 2021 game that they won. Yeah. Right. it's it's just it, it, that's correct. It was the uh, the game in Ames that Oklahoma State lost a, a heartbreaker. That's that's a tough day uh, to remember for me. But I mean, it sounds like multiple guys were betting on games that they were. I mean, that Iowa State was playing in. You think? Yeah. You think Mike Gundy? I mean, would put up with if he caught even a sniff of that. Not saying Matt Campbell runs a loose loose ship. I'm sure he didn't know anything about it. But I mean. Yeah, that's that's one of the dumber things you could do. I mean, that, I mean, it goes yeah. so it goes back before Pete Rose. Look, I mean, I, I know that that they can't bet on anything. We talked about it NCAA related while they're players. And if you want to argue about that, you know, maybe I could hear your argument. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Betting I actually on the would games argue. that you're playing in is is a little much. I think. Yeah. Now, look, shout out because it sounded like he was going through some shady back channels using family members look that's there's gonna be a movie about you maybe one day my guy at least a documentary so uh, shout out to you for that but yeah just not very smart for my guy deckers yeah i mean and his parents are named in this and it's just a tough day i mean for the deckers family for three of the four of you to be named in a in a criminal investigation it's just it's tough so 
uh, it's big news in in the Big 12 land. And uh, Dustin, I wanted to make sure I personally handed you this lovely bouquet of flowers because uh, you deserve that. You've been all over that one for months. No, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I think I think Oklahoma State can go in there now. And I, it's hard to beat up on Iowa State at home. Matt right. Campbell's still a good coach. John Haycock is a great defensive coordinator. But if you could go in there, rattle whoever that is at quarterback and just bash them into the dirt, that would really, I think, get you hyped going into Kansas State the next week. Oh, at man. Home. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On that Friday night. All right, Dustin. Well, it's good to have you back, my friend. Uh, it's not the same without you. Certainly. Uh, absolutely. Our listeners could agree with that. So if you're not already, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and threads at feels like 45 pod. You can follow Dustin at Dust Ragoon. You can follow me at Cade Webb. We will see you guys back here next week as fall camp gets rolling. And this podcast is going to look a whole lot different here in a little bit. So we'll see you guys back here next week. Go folks.